Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. Ori, we talk about different categories of cars, and we talked about the European, talk about American cars, Australian muscle cars. But, you know, in terms of the affordability of cars, yeah. and if we just looked at, say, British, I yeah, mean, there's, there's a lot of British cars. And isn't that funny? Because, as you know, I've been looking for the 246, Mick, and the only place I can find quite a few of them for sale because I don't want the American ones because I want, you know, try and find right-hand drives and there's not many in the US right-hand drive. So I always look in the UK. And also you don't want the fancy large indicators Correct. as well. I don't so want you want those, the European Exactly build. right. So I'm constantly searching sites in the UK and you're 100% right. I just have a look at, you know, look at the makes and I don't even acknowledge all the brilliant English cars that are available at most probably more reasonable prices than we think here in Australia, I don't look at them. But when you take time to go and have a look at the old Astons, Bentleys, Jags. Very affordable. <laughs> Absolutely affordable. You think, why am I not looking at that? I'm looking for an Italian car in the UK. <laughs> Always. So you're right. There's some great, great uh, bargains to be had. I mean, what comes to mind as your first British affordable car? So Just off the I- cuff, off the cuff. Just... Straight away, if someone said an affordable British uh, classic car. Classic car, yep. I'll say MG. MG. MGB. Now, the TC was good. To, you know, there's all those. But the MGB, they built thousands of them. They ran for a period, I don't know, 18 years or something. And, and like I said, yes, the, the difference about MG, though, you think there's great examples here, right, and some that have been restored, which, which look fantastic. If you just... Search in the UK the amount of MGs for sale and the colour combination, mate, you're going to find things that are way, way better than here, right? But no one ever thinks. So you know what? If I wanted to buy an MG, great that I could have a look at one here in Australia. That's awesome. But I think I would actually say, but I'm going to buy one out of the UK. No, well, that's a little bit of a different story, Ori, because in terms of dollars, dollars to get them over here is the same irrespective of the purchase price. Let's say as a a rough estimate. So if the value of the car is quite low, it doesn't really pay to bring them over. Understood. But then you're getting a car that's actually never left its homeland. Well, that's and true if you that. want that. But you also have to look at the other issues they do have in, in England with the salt on the yeah, roads. Yeah, I mean, but of, once you, know, you do the PPIs and things yeah. like that, I would look at actually doing that. Yeah, I get, I get it, the cost of the car. Yeah. So maybe it's, you know what, when you buy your Ferrari or Lamborghini or whatever you want to bring over, do you bring an English car well, with it? I was just about to say, is in, your, f- in your container, you can fit maybe two or three cars, let's say. Would you do that? You bring a couple other things and maybe a bike or two. Oh, yeah. You'd get some beautiful old Enfields yeah. and things like that. Oh, I agree. I mean, MG, you'd look at it. I'd get British Racing Green straight away, Mick. Now, but have you driven an MG? Uh, MGB? Never an MGB, no. Yeah, so we do have to drive one, and we have got a friend of ours that we've had on the on the podcast. Who owns it. Yeah, who owns it. So we, we are going to end up in summer driving an MGB. Head down. Remind, you know, Ma- Maxwell Smart, mate. That's right. Although, I don't know if Maxwell Smart, did he ever have an MGB? He certainly had a, a, a Sunbeam. Okay. He had a Sunbeam. He had the Volkswagen gear. He had a few different ones. Anyway, so uh, that's certainly one that comes off the cuff. The other one? Oh, Aston Martin. 
Oh, Aston Martin, okay. In the affordable classics? No, yeah, with so, the early ones, like if you're talking about the DB7s. Aston Martin DB7, but I'm thinking the older ones, Mick. Well, the older ones are going to get they'll be too expensive. But I think there's, like we say, there's more of them available. So you've got more of a opportunity to shop a few different versions and you may find them in different stages of their life in the sense – Project car, not project car, engine, you know what I'm saying? Where here you're finding them either poor condition or fully restored. Right? Yeah. There's really not many and, in And between. then affordability goes out the window. Correct. Well, over there, and that's the beauty about the UK, and that's why I, I constantly look for Ferraris and things, because there's a lot more project cars, I'd say, that have been a little bit unloved or people have started it and then, you know, changed their passion or gone in a different direction. So... Those the older Aston Martins, I think I would buy from the UK. Okay, and what about a newer one? When I say newer one, like still a classic, the ninety four to I don't know two thousand and three DB. Yeah, must really get more of an options well, by looking in the UK for sure. For sure, we're not suggesting we're not talking about uh, suggesting to go and get a car from the UK. It's just we're talking about UK cars and their affordability. So in their own, whether it's in America, because the M- there was many many MGs that went to America, yep. uh, Aston Martins. The, so you know the American market uh, was is and like fairly said, for big. the price now. Bring them to Australia is quite expensive, but if you lived in Europe, let's just say. No, no you go pick it just, up and just drive it across. Just drive it across. And it right. doesn't matter whether it's left-hand or right-hand drive. So you know, that's where you say, in Europe, they are so spoiled for choice, but they still seem to maintain their value, don't they? Well, that, Certain I'm, cars. that, that I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure really how much they retain. Uh, uh, I, think they, oh, I think they do. Like, what I'm trying to say, a Ferrari Dino is expensive here because of the conversion rates and dollars and all that. Right, Take that out of it. A Ferrari Dino 246 is expensive in the UK. Yes, definitely. It's expensive in Italy, in Germany, in, you know what I'm saying, in America. So the car actually holds, it's just that every country's got different taxes and then the exchange rate of the currency is what drives prices up for certain countries. Yep. But the otherwise, the car is at a certain level. So if you think, I don't know, let's just use Aston Martin, like you said, as an example. For $50,000, let's just say, you're probably going to get a good example of an 06 model Aston Martin. But I'd say, is that 50,000 UK, like pounds? Is it 50,000 US? Is it 50,000 Australian? Because that equivalent here is like maybe 100,000 for us yeah, here. Yeah, because we've we got to bring tariffs in and all sorts of things. But if you look get. at in their home market, I think you get true they, value they for They're affordable. They're certainly affordable in their home market. Mate, I would load up a container of Mini Miners, mate. Oh, Austin, I do like Austin's. the Mini Miner, you know, the Cooper S. How many would you put in there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, it's look, like the Italian job. The Minis really, I've got to say the Minis for me, um, they were good in racing, good in rallies. They they were a phenomenal Godzilla breeding, Yeah, really. You know, yeah. um, you, you have, you know, you watch the Goodwood uh, Revival. Yes, um, they still do that. You know, and you've got the Mini against the big Ford Galaxies. You've got, you know, it's amazing watching those Minis go around. Mate, they are classics. Yeah, they, they are true classics. And there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. So. You know, we d- we've done the Fiat 500. We should do a Mini. We have to do a Mini, but I would really like, I want to make sure that if we do a Mini, it's a good Mini, and I would really like it to be a Cooper S. So is it the Austin Mini 
Or is it the Mini Minor? I this think is where I started, get confused. Well, it started off as the Austin Mini, and then it was Mini, depending. Did Leyland buy over, you know, something like that. So don't quote us on that. So then Leyland bought them, and they became what, Mini Minor? Well, I don't know. I think we'd have to do a bit more research if we're going to talk about, you know, who the hierarchy, who owned But when we're saying Mini, you're thinking the same Mini I'm thinking. Yeah, it's just a Mini, whether it's the Austin Mini. Because the shape mini, didn't change. It's similar, yeah. The early, early Minis had a different grill, but, you know, ultimately they went for a long period looking the same. Yeah, that's and correct. And then they went to the the Clubman, which was a bit squarer, you know, the 1200cc, you know, so there was a little bit of evolution, but they didn't increase in size in much. No. So, uh, look, the minis really is one that we've we've got to get on our YouTube, have a have a bit of a drive, bit of fun. But I'd like the Cooper S. I mean, if we're talking about the early minis, which, you know, 850cc, you know, it'd be like similar to the Fiat 500, just about or more. Yep. Okay, all right, if you look at Mini, then how can you not go past Jag? Now, I would buy one of the old Jags. You know, I like the Mark II. The sedan Mark II, you know, they used to race them too. I don't know why everything I get I I think of racing, but... um, Well, that's what... Really, you think of racing because that's where you saw them, right? Like where you really appreciated them for their speed, for their agility, for their... Whatever, right? And so then you aspire... I believe in life to own one of those That's racing right. cars. It's always right. comes, you know, what win races on Sunday, sell cars on Monday. And hence why, no disrespect again, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast. When was the last time you ever saw a Volvo win a race well, and you think, I want to buy that car, right? They but didn't now, have- I know they did, Mick. I know where you're going to go. Okay. But Fair they, they did have it in competition races in the V8s and things like that. But where, did you say, I'm going to go buy one on Monday? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know why, that is, but that's a very good point, and perception is everything. So, but I agree. You uh, see I, these other cars racing, and you think, "I want that." And they, look, Jaguar, one thing for sure, Mick, their shape. I've always loved their shape. Oh, the E-types. Oh, you know the E-types, but even the two round lights at the front of the newer versions, which hark back to the older ones. Just beautiful yeah. cars. I do like the Mark II, the sedan, uh, because that oozed luxury to me. Yeah. You know, you've got the wood grain, the leather. Uh, I mean, it just – and the seating positions, uh, you know, two plus – what, two plus two, four seaters or five yep. seaters. But they were quite uh, quick on the on the road as well. I think they used them as getaway cars, some of the, uh, the robbers, really? I think, back then. Yeah, yeah, see, I'd love that car. You know. Uh, now, here's one, Mick, I didn't know. Because Ford Zephyr, Mark II. Why is that a UK car? Well, that's similar to Ford in Australia. I and mean, we got Ford – Cars that were built here. So the Ford Motor Company we know is American. Yeah. But right. they would have had a, I don't know, I'll, I'll call it a branch, but an offshoot. Yeah, but just because the car is where made was the Cortina that- made? Where was the Ford Cortina made? Well, it wasn't made in Australia. Well, there were some that were made in, uh, in the Ford Capri. See, this is where I get yeah. – so, but if I look at Ford as the brand, I say it's an American It's an American car. brand, yeah. Yeah, but we but say then, that uh, the same about uh, Holden. That was Chevy. Yeah, General that's Motors, right. you know. Yes, so. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, they so the, we then have to look at the country of origin of certain. But the, the Zephyr itself wasn't. It was made okay in the UK. We know now, but did they not make it in no Elsewhere? other country? Oh, that, that shape, that, that car. I'm, I'm not sure. Because if that if that's unique to that place, then okay. Yeah, I get well, it. No one really talks about Ford Zephyrs, though, do they? No. Well, no, I've only heard the Zephyr and the Zephyr and the Zephyr. But, you know, I didn't even know it was a Ford until, you know, a few, you know, like years later that they were the same car. I thought a Zephyr was a Zephyr. No, as in a brand name. Yeah. Zephyr. Yeah. yeah. 
But I didn't realise that until uh, later. If you're going to talk about MG, you're not going to talk about the Austin Healy? The Austin Healy, the Triumph. The Stag. So the, tri- so the Triumph was the Stag, Triumph Stag. Yeah. Was it Mark? Well, you had the TR4, TR5, TR6. They're all great cars. Great cars. But the one, really, if I wanted to buy a classic uh, sports car, open-top sports car in terms of um, British, for me, I'd buy the Sunbeam. So you got uh, only Sunbeam, because get smart. MG, okay. only because it gets smart. Okay, not so necessarily because I think it's uh, there. We go. Sunbeam, MG, Austin Healey, Triumph, S- Triumph. Very very similar platform. Sure, they, they look like they came out of the sa- Lotus. Yeah, yeah. Looks like they came out of the same factory. Yeah. Well, they did. It was back. You know, when they brought out the MG, that was the affordable sports car. I mean, everyone could get into an MG. Yeah. You know, uh, open top. You know, okay. The so you take the Sunbeam. I think I'll take. I think I'll take the Austin Healey, well, or the Triumph. And I'm not talking about looks now, though. That I'll take the Sunbeam or how good it is, because I don't know how good that is compared to the Austin I just, Healey. I feel like the Triumph or the Austin Healey is, oh, and so is the MG. Really British, right? The yeah, Triumph especially is really British. What if I was Austin Healey? I'd like the three thousand, the three liter six cylinder. Yeah, because they reckon they're pretty good. I'm not sure how affordable they are anymore. Nah, good cars. Or. Agree. Or let's go for the uh, Rolls Royce. You can get older Rolls Royces. Hey. Really. But they're affordable. Yeah, they are very affordable. I don't but know how, how maintenance. Now, but why? I think it's, it, you know, whether you buy, if you buy a top-level car, you know, it costs whatever thousands to start off with, the maintenance, just because you bought it cheap as a second-hand car 30 years old, the maintenance is still as maintenance on a high-level car. So the Rolls-Royce has to have a, f- a fair bit of dollars spent on maintenance for sure. 100%. You know, so relative to what you've bought it for, say it's depreciated and it's worth, you know, a tenth of what the new price was, yes. but the maintenance is not going to be a tenth equ- equivalent to the tenth. It might be equivalent uh, to 30 or 40%. But I agree, they are so affordable. That's why I reckon there's so many of them that, are used here in this country for like wedding cars and things like that. Those, you know, limousine services yeah. because yeah. they look fantastic. Number one, they're luxury personified. And most probably, you know, they've picked them up cheap with a bit of love and care, love and um, care. They come up yeah. looking wonderful. And, and I think they're coming back. I think the Rolls, the early Rolls Royce, the early Bentleys, uh, people are starting to appreciate them more. I mean, when they were there, they were hand, they were in their day handcrafted, plenty of power. No, they actually never talked about how much power they had. They just called it a sufficient power. So, would you power. buy an old Rolls Rolls Royce Phantom? You know what? Or would right, I buy one? That's it's a fair question. Or Silver Shadow? I, I, would, I would say Silver yes. Shadow. Oh, you know, you actually but, would suit a Rolls Royce Silver Phantom. Well, because of the, the silver fox hair coming out yeah, of the, the Silver Phantom. Yeah. But I think for a, I think it'd be more of a novelty though. But you see them driving around the streets here of Adelaide. Yeah, daily right? drivers, and they look fantastic. They like, do look. They've got some presence, and you're not rushing around. It's just smooth. It's taken off from the lights. It's got, you know. Now, I mean, we've mentioned this, but Mick, this is where I prefer the Rolls Royce, oh, the same era Rolls Royce over an old Bentley. Yeah, same here. Now they look very similar. Yeah, yeah. they're both quite rectangly, quite you know bulky. But, but there's something with the Rolls Royce, isn't correct. there? Correct. There's so, where I'd prefer the new Bentleys over the new Rolls Royce. I think I, I love the shape. some of the new Rolls Royce. They look good too. Oh, yeah, yeah, the good uh, thing about and I was chatting to my youngest son. The good thing about the 
newer Rolls Royce is they still look Rolls Royce as in classic, but they've got the smooth handles. They've got you know they've gone modern, yeah, but still the traditional box shape. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. You know, it's but, uh, and you know, you drive no, one of those, you must feel pretty good. Sitting oh, you've got to be. You're at a level, aren't you? <laughs> if you own one of those and drive one of those, yeah. you're at a certain level in life, obviously. But I think it's. I appreciate that more. I think it's more, not sophisticated might be the wrong word, but more premium, more prestige than a Bentley. Yeah, and I think that's more marketing than anything, isn't it? But I'll give you this question. I remember years ago going to Singapore or Hong Kong, Hong Kong, and, uh, yeah, the Peninsula Hotel. Their hotel cars are Rolls Royces. And so they're all lined up out the front, right? And I remember that. Now, imagine if your hotel car, now a bit difficult, but is Ferrari Purus Anguis. Got a four-seater, right? Can you imagine that? Yeah. Now, does that make more of a presence? Or or Lamborghini Urises than yeah, the Rolls-Royce? No. I mean, it's very prestige and, you know, for the tyre, absolutely. But I just think Rolls-Royce is one of those brands. I love them, but would I want to own one? I don't know. Okay. Even so though I do like the If you're talking about a prestige hotel... Okay, whatever. There's no more pinnacle than Rolls Royce. That's what I think. And now, if you roll up with a Urus or not roll up, sorry, if they had Uruses as their, it looks a yeah, bit. To yeah. me, I don't know. It's not the same. Yeah, that's number fair one. Enough. Is the noise? There's all sorts of things. I mean, inside Rolls Royce is luxury. Luxury. Yeah, yeah, you're sitting in there. Yeah. You know, I, I would, I would <laughs> think you still stick to the Rolls Royce or Bentley. Yep. No, okay. Um, what about in terms of other sports from? Uh, well. We've got a gentleman and we've got to drive it because he's restored one. A Jensen Interceptor. I didn't even know what the car was when he first Yeah, that's with that big Chrysler engine, 7.2 litres or something. But I do love the back because it's all glass. That whole back area is glass, right? And now, is that a bit of a problem? I actually saw him today and he said, you guys come do a podcast on my Jensen. And I said, really, do we have to? Well, I told him I want to do one. Oh, no, you're right. We have to. But I've actually done a bit more study on these Jensen, Jensen Interceptors. But Mick. They're a special car, mate. They are. Well, they were Italian design. So Tick. I think it's Bertoni, wasn't it? Tick. I think it's Bertoni design and a huge Chrysler engine. Right. You know. So I, I want to drive one, but I appreciate for what they were, for or sorry, for what they are. And I think, you know, if you're looking for a, a car, affordable classic car out of the UK, it has to. Yeah, but in saying that affordable classic car, that's one that you really do need to speak to an owner that that's probably restored it, like we're talking about yep. our friend, because, you know, there's they there's plenty well, of stories about the electrics, there's all sorts of things. How many people can work on these, right? And that's the other thing. So when you're in the UK, you've got these guys that have, have been born and bred working on these cars. You come to a country like Australia, not so many, unless we've had a few migrate over and this and that, but... Well, and they don't get to work on them as often as they would in the UK. Yeah, but the argument is it's just a Chrysler engine. Yeah, fair enough. However, the electrics, the you know, amalgamating the Chrysler engine with I don't know what electronics it is, whether it's British or German, you know, the Bosch or whatever it is, and the Italian body. I mean, that concept there, you know, they just went for the American concept, but that's just put uh, plenty of power. You know. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. So there's a couple of there's there's one Mick. And I think if you ask me, okay, you only can pick one UK brand to buy out of the UK or even here locally, what would it be? Okay. Is this – and what sort of category of car? Are you talking sedan, you know, luxury, no, or are you talking no, sports car? You know, and it doesn't matter what category. Which car do you want? And I'll tell you which one it is for me. 
let me guess what you would like. I reckon it'd be the Lotus. Yep. Yep. I've, lo- I've always loved the little Lotus. Okay. I've be, always yeah, loved because them. Because of also James Bond. Yeah, I've lo- I just love that Lotus. It's And the racing history. You know, absolutely. I've loved the Lotus. And I think that's, if I had to own a British car, that is one I definitely would love to own. A Lotus. Yep. And which particular model? Do you know? You I know? love the Elise. I fell in love when it was the Elise. So what's The that? little one. The, the little, little one. Yeah. Before they went to Exige and all that. So but the little Elise, is that the one with the pop? It did know, have the pop ups then. Yeah. It had the, bef- after the pop up, the, uh, the version after. So it must be early 2000s. Okay. That's the car that really, and I started to take notice of what Lotus do. Okay, so. And I've loved their evolution ever since, to be honest. All right, I've changed my tact. So if I had to pick one. One car. One car. British, has to be British, has to be a classic. Has to be a classic. Has to be a classic. I'm going to go out there and say a Rolls Royce. You're going to buy a Rolls Royce? Well, yes, because if I buy a Lotus, it's no different than one of my other cars. Yeah. If I get a, a DB7 or something, it's no different than the 456. When I say no different, the same sort of GT driving yep. and you've got one that you throw around the, the Lotus or the Elise. But have I got anything like a, a luxury cruiser like a Rolls-Royce? No. No. No, you haven't. So uh, – And is that the epi- – that's the epitome of British cars. Well, really. Rolls-Royce is. You know, and there's the the other one that we've got to go and see that had the Alpha Spider and he's got a couple of Rolls Royces. And, you know, you see them. He had two or three of them, older ones, uh, one of the newer ones. Uh, one was a Bentley. And you see them in the flesh. I mean, they're substantial. Yeah. You know, tough. and you open the door. The door's uh, that heavy, thick. Yeah. I don't know how thick that door is. But well, everything, umbrella, everything's mate. luxury. And the steering wheel, I think one had a Baker-like steering wheel, very, very thin, you know, and you just – you must sit there and just well, – They're like lounge chairs. Oh, it's – You lounge know, so – You're lounge. Uh, now, I'm not lounge saying I'd go and buy one, but – No, if, you just said that. No, if I had to, I think I would actually buy the Rolls. But you'd suit a Rolls. Very funny. You do, Very funny. and I think I'd suit a Lotus. Because <laughs> it's going to be small and nimble. No, You're too tall for a Lotus. Anyway, we're going to leave it there. But There's it, a lot of affordable well, British cars, uh, mate. Exactly, and that's what I was going to finish off with. It's, it depends what you want. There's plenty still to choose from and uh, to get into right, well, the uh, To be honest, enjoyment. as a classic, we've pretty much, if you look at those brands, and depending on which model you want. And we might from, not have covered them all, too. No, exactly right. But from 10000 to, say, 100000 You've got plenty of choices. You've got plenty of choices. And I think if you look back even further, the later model MGs, like the MGF, you know, where yeah, they got yeah, that yeah. shape, you, they're really very, very cheap. Mid-engine, rear mid-engine. You get a lot of cars. You know, you get a lot of cars. It's a bit, bit like a little go-kart. Anyway, like always, you can catch us on the show at mickandori at gmail.com and, of course, our YouTube channel and, uh, and our Instagram. So we're going to leave it there. Remember, if your car's not a classic, it will be one day. Thank you. Thanks, guys.